This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I am back from Florida. Unfortunately, I guess, for selfish reasons. Man, Florida's beautiful. I love it. But I got to give a big thanks to Ricky and Brandon for taking over Behind the Pen for me last week. It is Friday, August 26th, as I record this podcast. And I'm going to get into a lot of stuff. But first, I got to mention, follow us on Twitter, at Most Valuable Pod, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Valuable Podcast. And check us out on blogtalkradio.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. That's our new outlet where we'll have our full-length podcast. Check those out. It's really cool. We got everything for you guys. So every sport. So be there or be square. SoundCloud no longer starting in October, I believe. So keep that in mind. All right, let's get this show started with the Chicago Bears, our Chicago Bears. We have a wonderful following here at MVP. Lots of Bears fans follow this channel and listen in. Thank you very much, as always. Guys, let's talk about this. Now, I'm recording this the day before the third preseason game. And I know the all-important third preseason game is the precursor to the regular season. That's probably the most game-ready we're going to see guys who are going to be on the field during the season on the field for a lengthy amount of time, going into the third quarter most likely. But I just want to touch on the second preseason game because I didn't get a chance to, and then I'm going to look ahead because some something's going on in the water that they're drinking, I guess, because they're all hurt. They're all hurt, and this is a concern big time. It started in training camp. They lost Grisou for the year. Marquise Wilson's got a broken foot, and he's never healthy. Zach Miller has never gotten through a preseason in his life without getting hurt. Uh, another tight end, Tony Moyaki, that they were high on, he's hurt. He's been almost always injured. So, and it just the list continues. Jeremy Langford had a foot thing. He should be fine, though. I'm not. I don't expect him to play a lot in the third preseason game. Kyle Long's dealing with a labrum issue. That is not good. Now, I don't care how they downgrade it or just... When you have a labrum, it's the cartilage that surrounds the shoulder muscle that allows it to bend. And if the, if it's weak, it'll pop out and it's just... It's ineffective. It's, it's extremely weak. And this is a very lingering type of injury that I'm kind of keeping an eye on, a close eye on in Kyle Long. Because specifically in the offensive line, they really don't have that much depth. Because if one offensive lineman gets hurt, then uh uh-oh, not good. Because they have nobody behind them. And that goes really throughout the depth chart, honestly. I mean, the wide receiver core that they have right now is pretty exciting. The running backs that they have right now, I like where they're at, but they're young. But still, Jimmy Langford will be most likely the horse. Jordan Howard will get extended looks. Really excited about Kadeem Carey. Kadeem Carey looks like he's going to be explosive out of the backfield. He could also contribute on special teams, so that's value right there. And then you have Jack Rogers. Now, is is he going to be on the field as a running back that sees a lot of playing time? Maybe not. Most likely not if they have those rotation of the regular three. But he's a nice depth piece, and he's definitely going to contribute on special teams. Veteran guy who could catch passes out of the backfield. Running back situation's fine. Receiver's fine. Quarterbacks are fine. But offensive line, not fine. Not fine at all. We saw it in week one, and that's not going away. It's They look better in week two of the preseason. But really, we didn't see many different fronts from the Patriots. They didn't blitz with these different looks. You know, it was pretty much straight up. And they did well. Got to give them credit. But, you know, once they're tested, it's going to be different. Now, on to the tight end position. I mentioned all the injuries already. Who's Rob Hausler? 
You know, like he's one of the guys that are is going to be expected to contribute because of the threat of injury to Zach Miller and Tony Moyaki. Moyaki would be a nice boost, a very nice boost if Miller and, and Moyaki could stay on the field together. That's a pretty dynamic, not only in terms of pass catching, but blocking as well. So, And it also looks like the Bears are going into a fullback set to implement that into their offensive scheme. But, all right, I backtrack. But overall, like I said, offensively, questions at tight end, questions in the offensive line. Running backs are young and unproven, but I feel like they'll be set there. On the other side of the ball, their front seven's their strength. That is, there's no question about it. We had Danny Trevathan's hurt, and that's a problem. Pernell McPhee, that knee surgery, why was he playing so late into last season when there was just no point of him doing that is beyond me. But he's recovering. Hasn't played in the preseason yet. Should be healthy by game one, but he's a nice boost. But moving on to the secondary, there is nothing much there, guys, and that's concerning. The one thing I will say, though, is Vic Fangio is one of the top defensive minds in the game. And we saw it last year with the lack of talent that he was able to come up with schemes and getting guys in the right position. They just weren't athletic enough to make plays. But now you upgrade at linebacking positions. Drell Freeman looks like he's going to be big. Trevathan, if he's healthy, he's going to be big. Keem Hicks on the line. Jonathan Bowler is going to contribute. Keith Browner, by the way, he stood out. I'm going to get to that at the preseason talk. But the secondary, the secondary is very concerning. And yes, it's benefit to have Vic Fangio there, but... You're going to rely on guys like Bryce Callahan, Deion Bush, DeAndre Hall, uh, Demontre Hurst as well, who's been terrible with the Bears. He's probably signed the longest. He's probably the longest tenured Bear on the team next to Cutler. So that's not good. And he hasn't even played. Kyle Fuller's hurt. He's probably not going to be ready for game one. If he is, he might not even start. So Tracy Porter's really the only lock guy at corner, and he's just a guy, to be quite honest. I've said that before. So... It's concerning. Adrian Amos is a very nice piece at safety. And you're probably going to start the season with Chris Brzezinski, but you have Harold Jones-Corte as well in the mix. I don't see much from him. We'll see the development. But they're young. That's the point. They're very young and inexperienced. We got to look. There's specific individual players that get me excited and get me feeling like the Bears can be competitive. And I think they will be. I'm not going to shy away from my 10-6 and six prediction. They're making the playoffs, guys. Let's. They're going to do it. But... Realistically, they're going to have a lot, they're going to need a lot of things to go right for them. And it starts with the schedule, really. Their schedule is pretty lackluster. And they should be able to take advantage. They're playing a lot of teams who finished dead last in the division last year. There's going to be some tough ones, especially the Jaguars. That's going to be, believe it or not, that's going to be a tough game. And I hope they don't lose, but I feel like they will, regardless. The Bears just got to be able to stay healthy, and that's almost impossible to do in the NFL. We already see it. We already see it. I don't understand how these players are... The amount of players that are hurt throughout training camp, preseason starts, and more players go down. And I guess guess I'm asking the question to myself, why are there so many preseason games? Yeah, it's an opportunity to see the depth of your team perform against other, you know, NFL talent. But do you really need four? Because I think, really, teams could only do with two, and they'll be fine, I, I believe. So, I mean, I don't know. I think more preseason, preseason games increase just the probability that 
star players are going to get hurt, and are you going to leave them out? Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's your choice. But all right, <laughs> I digress again, which I usually do on behind the pen. Let's let's talk about this week two preseason game because it was actually pretty encouraging. I was very happy with what I saw throughout most of the game. I know they end up losing, and whatever. Final score, like you said, preseason means nothing. And besides evaluating talent and deciding who's going to make the roster, implementing new systems, seeing how the starters can go up against other number ones. A, num- a certain player who I mentioned already, who I'd like to see get more playing time against the ones, is Keith Browner. He's a big force in the middle of the line, and it's unfortunate Cornelius Washington, who is another guy who's hurt, and he's always hurt, he's got talent. Lots of talent. It's just unfortunate that he just keeps getting injured and he's not able to stay on the field. It might even cost him a roster spot at this point because you're going to need depth. You're going to need guys to perform. And on the line, Jonathan Bullard's good. Keem Hicks was a nice pickup. Willie Young signed that extension. That's big. Very big. Because he's one of their best defensive players on the team. So we watched Leonard Floyd kind of mature a little bit in game one. We saw him... Well, I guess he was humbled. I would call it humble, not matured. He was humbled in game one. Didn't look terrible. Was doing things Vic Fangio liked. Week two of the preseason, he saw time at inside linebacker. Is he going to play inside linebacker during the regular season? He may have to because these guys are hurt. Nick Kwiatkowski, another guy who was expected to be on the injured reserve list going into this season. He was a fourth-round draft pick. Talented death piece in the linebacker position. Gone. All of these guys are gone already, and it hasn't even been week one of the season. So, yeah, I might be crying a little bit, but it's just really frustrating when you have these expectations going into the season and where you feel like you upgraded, you've done a great job in the draft. I know they're young and inexperienced players, but those are positions in need with talent as well as hitting on free agents, key free agents, that give you a chance to be competitive and make a playoff run. But when these guys keep getting hurt, it just keeps setting you back. And especially the offensive line, well, I'm going to keep bringing this up. Brought this up at least 10 times already with the Matt's Lawson thing. I mean, you had two guys that they brought in as they were expecting to be depth pieces, and they retired. I mean, you can't fault them for retiring. Obviously not. That's whatever. What are you going to do there? But it's just, you let go of Matt's Lawson. I know hindsight's 2020. I've also said that exact phrase like 20 times on the show, but it's true. Now without Slauson, he's starting elsewhere. And he could be a valuable, he could have been a valuable piece of the Bears' front. But hey, it is what it is at this point. I hope the interior does well enough to keep Cutler off his ass because I don't know how Ted Larson's going to fare at center. I mean, he could just, he's okay. Bobby Massey doesn't look good at all. He didn't play well in the second preseason game, he didn't play well in the first preseason game. And even in practice, he's getting beat. So that's not good. But Bobby Massey and Kyle Long work together, work out together. They have a good relationship. So if they mend that, the right right guard, right tackle, that area is probably an area that they're going to attack. And with a weak offensive line, too, is it not only affects Cutler, obviously, because Cutler would occasionally, more than occasionally, at certain points of the season... He would see ghosts, lots of them, and it's uh, not fair to him to have just not enough time back in the pocket to make a play. It's like, you can blame color all you want for all the struggles, but he doesn't have time. He's already expecting to get his 
you know, ass on the ground and within three seconds, not even two and a half seconds, that's not even close to an amount of time to drop back, find an open receiver and get it out of the hands. It's just, you can't do that. But what I'm saying is with a weak offensive line, it affects the run game. And what what happens when you affect the run game? You can't run the ball. Then you're, they're just going to sit back in a zone, man coverage and pick off color. There's a lot of negatives here. And don't get me wrong. I'm still very much excited about the Chicago Bears season in 2016. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be in a mix on a lot of games. They're probably going to be in a, in a couple heartbreakers. They better not. They better win those games or else I'm just going to lose my mind. But whatever. We have we have so much to look forward to. This is the only organization that's moving on up. Ryan Pace had a very good draft this year, and I feel like most of the picks that he made are going to be impact players moving forward for a while. Hopefully that they can find a couple lockdown cornerbacks in this draft. Hopefully Kevin White turns out to be the player that they expect him to be. Hopefully Leonard Floyd turns out to be a a pretty decent pass rusher. But for right now, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Bears to make the playoffs, but I think they can do it. There's no reason they can't, especially with a capable coaching staff and their favorable schedule, a quarterback that can get them there, running back group that is talented, young but talented. Um, Really, the concerns... For me, is them being able to stay healthy. That's like because if they if if guys go down, they are just going to go down as a team. Overall, there's it's going to be very hard for them to overcome injuries with the lack of depth. The depth is inexperienced and bad, quite frankly, and it's unfortunate because going into the season they made it such an issue to address the depth, and I think they did defensively. Offensively, on the other hand, besides wide receiver group and the, and the running back position, it's not much. That line is going to be a work in progress throughout the season, and that's going to be concerning. But all right, let's move on to the preseason game number three. What should we expect in week three of the preseason? Well, not sure how long Jeremy Langford's going to stay on the field. Now, if you're listening to this after the preseason game, critique me, please. I'd Just tell me how wrong I am. But Jeremy Langford, I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to be on the field in uh, usually they go into the third quarter, the starting unit. goes into, This is definitely the closest to game ready in game one that they will be. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they get Kevin White more involved. And I know they don't want to kind of portray their offense really to the Texans in week one. You don't want to get film out there that they can dissect and prep for. You kind of want to, you know, catch him off guard, I guess, in the first week of the regular season because you're withholding your main main plays throughout the preseason. You're just getting basic packages, you know, run run schemes, blocking schemes. Yeah, I haven't seen really many disguised blitzes by the Bears this this preseason so far, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, Kevin White. I want to see Kevin White in there a little bit more. I want to see him get the ball in his hands more. And hopefully they make that a pressing issue throughout the first half and into the third quarter. Third preseason game is going to be fun, but they're hurt. They're so hurt. All right, enough with the negatives. Enough with the negatives. Looking forward to the Chicago Bears season. Guys, it's less than 20 days away. I'm so excited. September 11th in Houston. Let's do it. Super Bowl Super Bears. Shout out Mark Weber. Moving right along, let's get into some MLB talk, huh? Why not? Well, August is winding down. And really, I mean, the playoff races are still competitive, especially in the wild card chase. I mean, 
because of this wild card, this new rule going back a few seasons ago, teams that wouldn't necessarily be in the race are now in the race, and that affects the trade deadline, the non-waiver period as well, and also the offseason. You know, you guys are on the brink of a wild card, and you're going to make trades to be buyers or, you know? So, no, it's interesting. I like it so far. Personally, if you're going to make it a one-game winner-take-all, I think the wild, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I know the Cubs won it last year, and I'm a Cub fan. And, I, you know, I personally think it should be a three-game series. You know, I mean, it's just more justified that way. I don't know. But MLB loves the one-and-done, one-game, winner-take-all. Eh, I'm not a commissioner. So, anyway, going back to this playoff conversation. Currently in the American League, you have two AL East teams projected to be in the wild card come October. And I don't think that's going to change. Whether it's Boston at the top of the division and, and Toronto and Baltimore as the final two, that's whatever. But I still feel like there are going to be three teams in the AL East that are just going to make the playoffs. But over in the National League, it's a little different. It's a little more complicated. And I say that because certain teams, yeah, they're still in it, but are they really? I see that the Miami Marlins really dealt with a hit by losing Giancarlo Stanton for the year. And obviously, Jose Fernandez is going to be on that innings limit, so keep an eye on that. But overall, man, the Mar- the Marlins were such a fun team throughout the season. They lost so much power out of Stanton. They traded for Frank Core in an attempt to replace that power. And it's just, you know, you lose Stanton, he's a game-changing player. He's a franchise guy. He's top 10 hitter in the baseball uh, period. So that hurts a lot. And right now, it looks like I see the division winner in the East and Central pretty much locked up. Nationals, Cubs. In the West, well, the Dodgers did eventually overtake the San Francisco Giants for the division lead. Surprising to me because the Los Angeles Dodgers going into this season, I really, I don't know, a lot of they, they a lot of the writers were saying that they had depth, and I really didn't buy into it. Seeing as though they broke a major league record for 25 different players on the listed on the disabled list this year, that's that is insane to think now that they're ahead in this division. I can't I just can't put my finger on it. like how are they able to do it? Manager of the year definitely goes to Dave Roberts. Like he's done an unbelievable job of being able to keep this team on track, keep this team on pace to be in the playoffs, and that's what they're doing. Picked up J.J. Redick, nice addition. Acquired Rich Hill, another nice addition. He's having a great year. Made his first start, I believe, a few days ago in a Dodger uniform. It's good. They need Kershaw back because you don't like Bud Norris as your third starter, and you don't want to rely on Jose Urias you know, every fifth day right now. So Kershaw, Maeda, Rich Hill, Scott Kazmir is another guy that they're definitely going to have to rely on, and he's hurt right now, but... Overall, this Dodgers team filled with talent and depth. Corey Seager, one of the top shortstops in baseball. Chase Utley still swinging it. Howie Kendrick's got, and he's able to fill in Jock Peterson as well. Adrian Gonzalez. They traded AJ Ellis for Carlos Ruiz, which was an interesting move because AJ Ellis is Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher, and this was a pretty dramatic goodbye in in, in LA, I guess. But I mean, AJ Ellis isn't a very good. Catcher. Over, I mean, yeah, defensively, sure, but no, you're not getting much value from him. I don't know. They wanted to bring in a guy who could hit lefties a little bit better. Carlos Ruiz is 
okay in that regard. But overall, like I mentioned three teams, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants. Now, it's going to be up for debate up until the end of the season whether or not the Dodgers or the Giants are going to come out as the winners of the National League West. So that 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 creates a playoff implication for my Chicago Cubs. So obviously they're going to finish with the best record in baseball, most likely home field in the National League. I guess that's how it works, best record. And so it would be the winner of the wild card game. At this point, it would be the winner of the Cardinals-Giants. So, I mean, who's going to win that game? If it's Dodgers-Cardinals, then Kershaw starts the wild card game. It's, I mean, Kershaw hasn't been good in the playoffs. His, his playoff performances have been pretty pathetic. So the Cardinals could very well win that game. But I would not, if I'm the Cardinals, I would rather face Kershaw than Mad Bum. And that's just my personal opinion because that would ugh, it'd be tough. That would be very tough to overcome Mad Bum. He's one of the best postseason pitchers in the game of late. But speaking of the Giants, if you haven't noticed, really, the Giants have been the worst team in baseball since the All-Star break. And that's good for the Cubs. Because quite I, honestly, I think the Giants are the biggest threat to the Chicago Cubs this year in their path to the World Series. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to go to the World Series because the Nationals look pretty good. But if the Cubs end up facing the Giants somehow, some way in the NLDS or maybe even in the NLCS, I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants came away with a series. But it doesn't matter. Cubs are going to win the World Series this year. This is it. This is the year. This is no doubt in my mind. No doubt. Even though I just said I had some doubt if they face a team, a certain team. No. But it's a story right now. The Giants are struggling. 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They've It hasn't been good since the, out of the break. But 69-58 and 58 currently hold the top spot in the wild card. And I believe they're a game and a half out behind the Dodgers today. So that'll change. Or maybe it's two games. It's, it's close. So that'll change. Interesting. Interesting stuff because the Dodgers throughout the season, or I'm sorry, the Giants throughout the season have been, like I said, I think most talented. Their rotation, I, Samarja's underperformed. They traded for Matt Moore, who almost threw no hitter last night. Uh, he missed it by one out. That was pretty insane. But that, that one through four in their rotation, that is good enough to take you to the World Series. Absolutely. And they don't even have Chris Heston. Chris Heston was very solid for them. So Mad Bum, Cueto, Matt Moore, Jeff Samarja. How do you win World Series? It's with rotation. And the Cubs have a really good rotation. But Giants, going to be gonna be in the mix. I just can't count them out yet. I can't do it. They, they worry me so much. They worried me throughout the entire season. They needed to fill the gap over at third. They traded for Eduardo Nunez, a very nice player. That was such a nice move. And then with the Twins, Angel Pagan's healthy. Denard Span maybe not contributing so much with the bat, but he's a very solid defensive outfielder. And Hunter Pence, Mr. Hustle. That's a that's their their lineup is very good. Their rotation's very good. They have a solid bullpen. So Giants are going to be there. I I just can't write off the Giants. I figure that they're going to be end up being the division winner. Dodgers fall down to the wild card. Play that one game playoff against the Cardinals, and I the Cardinals very much win that game because somehow, some way, these Cardinals are in the mix again, again. Brandon Moss, Randall Grichik, Stephen Piscotty, Stephen Piscotty—that's their outfield. Stephen Piscotty is turning into a star in front of our eyes. He is—he is such a great hitter, 
and it sucks as a Cub fan. I hate talking about the Cardinals and giving them credit because they're they just keep doing well. Wainwright is healthy, headlining that rotation. Mike Leak, Jaime Garcia, and Carlos Martinez. That's enough to carry you, honestly, to a deep run of the playoffs, especially with their lineup. If they get Alemides Diaz back and healthy, he, again, came out of nowhere and just started tearing it up in the majors. They're going to be a threat. Matt Carpenter's still killing it. Jed Jerko's been a nice surprise. What the freaking Jed Jerko is contributing to the, to the St. Louis Cardinals? It's just so unbelievable to me. But, yeah. Overall, three teams, really, that I consider playoff. I, I Writing off the Pirates, I think they're done. Marlins, done. Mets, been done. So Dodgers, Giants, whoever wins the NL West, will, the, the loser will be in the wild card. And the Cardinals. Cardinals are going to be in it again. So winner of the wild card will likely face the Cubs, and the winner of the West will likely face the Washington Nationals. So let's look forward to that because October is going to be a lot of fun. Football season is going to be in full swing. You got the World Series coming up. Best time of year, guys. Absolutely best time of year. College football is going on. The NBA is starting at the end of that month in October. So it's the best. It is absolutely the best. But I'm looking forward to it. Elsewhere in the MLB, a certain franchise located in a certain town in which we do these podcasts out of have recently changed the name of their stadium. And it is called Guaranteed Rate Field. Going from U.S. Cellular Field to Guaranteed Rate Field. And what it is, a mortgage company locally in Chicago, with a logo being an arrow pointing down. An arrow pointing down. Guaranteed Rate Field. Guys, let's go out to Guaranteed Rate Field to watch a White Sox game. Because that's how it's going to be starting November 1st. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is just too... I know it's a business move, you know, and, and Reinsdorf is making all of these moves in terms strictly of money, and this is just a prime example of it. But, but, but really? Really? Guaranteed rate field? That's what it is? I mean, people don't call it... They call it Comiskey, which is wrong because it's U.S. Cellular until otherwise. They call it Sox Park. Nobody's going to call it guaranteed. What are they going to do? What are they going to, like, are they can't, like, because they have, like, the acronym, the cell or whatever. They, they, they bring it down to the cell. You know, that's kind of cool. Kind of badass, I guess, you know. But they go from a cell phone company that actually doesn't exist anymore to a mortgage company called Guaranteed Rate Field. One more time for you. Guaranteed Rate Field. <laughs> oh, man. See, now, I, I'm blessed with Wrigley Field. It's one of the iconic historic names in it. Eventually, maybe they change the name from Wrigley to something like Beggar's Pizza Field or something or, you know, DiscountTireCompany.com Field. <laughs> but guaranteed rate field, guys. That's that's the state of the White Sox right now. I bring that up because it is very easy to bash the White Sox at this point of the season. Not Yet again, their philosophy just falls flat where they invest in the offseason, trade prospects for big names such as Todd Frazier, sign Brett Laurie, trade for Brett Laurie, excuse me, do all these different things to stay afloat and try and be competitive. All for naught. Because yet again, missing the playoffs, mediocre record once again. So that leads, leads to the question of what the hell are they going to do this offseason? Now, I, I bring this up again. I know I talk about this subject a lot, but... Rick Hahn recently spoke to the media, and people, I guess, close to the White Sox really don't know the direction of where they're going to go. 
But I just kind of want to brainstorm something. There's some positives. Believe me. Don't get me wrong. The White Sox have a nice young player in Tim Anderson. Zach Birdie looks to be a very solid reliever. Zach Collins hopes to be the catcher of the future. Omar Narvaez came out of nowhere. And now he's starting to hit well. And things are not as bad as they seem. Carson Fulmer can be something that you can be excited about, I guess. But at this point, they traded for James Shields. Really, at the time, I didn't think it was a terrible move, but it is just awful. He is just bad, flat-out terrible. He can't get anybody out anymore. He can't do it. And, you know, so I lead into this question. What do the White Sox do with Chris Sale and Jose Quintana? This is going to be asked frequently from now until the end of the offseason, until they're eventually traded or not. What are they going to do with them? Because you can't keep trying to build around those two in particular because it hasn't worked. You see Chris Sale, and he's just wasting away his prime in Chicago. And he's on a team-friendly contract till 2020. He's really not getting paid what he's valued or what he's worth. One of the best pitchers in baseball is getting paid like 12 mil next year. That's nothing for a starting pitcher. So, and then you move on to Quintana, who's never getting any run support, who just always gets the short end of the stick over and over again. What are you going to do with him? You can get tremendous value with Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana can pull you something nice. Whether they go that route, who knows? I really don't know what the White Sox want to do here. They say that they, Rick Hahn told the media that they're, everybody's on board. There's a sense of direction with this team. They're going to make certain decisions that are going to shape the future. Now, whether it's going to be competitive again, we're going to go for it for one more season, I don't know. Personally, I think that they just need to commit to rebuilding because it really doesn't have to be, well, yeah, they set themselves back by, with all these trades, but at the same time, the prospects overall and the amount of prospects they gave up for the players in return haven't been totally jaw-dropping, I guess. I, I, they wouldn't be game-changers. Trace Thompson was a tough pill to swallow. Frankie Montas is who knows where now. He, I think he got traded again. So what I'm saying is, yeah, Trace Thompson's probably the, probably the main piece that you're upset about losing. Matt Davidson, I don't think he's anything, guys. Like, he's just yeah, nothing. You saw nothing from him. And they, they made that trade for the fourth outfielder, really, from the Cardinals for Zach Duke. I mean, that's all he is, fourth outfielder. If you're excited about that, more power to you, but... Eaton's a good player. What are they going to do with Melky? Can they trade Melky and get value for Melky? Probably. What about Frazier? Are they going to do that with Frazier? Are they going to keep him around? Are they going to re-sign Lori? It, it, it remains to be seen. Tyler Saladino is a nice player. I think Tyler Saladino deserves to be a starter somewhere. You know, whether it's at second base, third base. I know you're going to have a lot of power lacking there if it's Saladino and Lori in the infield at the same time because Anderson's going to be your shortstop. Anderson... Though really, the main question with Anderson were the, well, his ability to... Well, he can't walk, right? He's a free swinger. But defensively, is he going to be able to play Major League shortstop? So far, he's proven that he can. He's a nice young player. That's somebody to be excited about. But overall, you got to be able to get more of that and stop trading for players past their primes. For example, Matt Holiday is going to be a free agent going into this offseason. What if they sign Matt Holiday? If they if they sign him just to be a placeholder in the outfielder, I'm sorry, in the outfield because they made moves to build their future, the young young players they're looking for prospects, trade a sale Quintana. Okay, I get it. But if you're signing Matt Holiday <laughs> just to try and com- compete again, it's just going to be the same old stuff, same old story. The Chicago White Sox at guaranteed rate field. So I don't know. I'm really I don't know. Kind of 
interested. It's a very dull moment for the White Sox right now because there's really nothing. Even Robin's said it. And Robin's on the hook. Is he going to be back next year? Who knows? He said he's willing to come back if the White Sox want him. I mean, uh, what a lackluster manager he's been. They have Rick Renteria as a bench coach. Probably their next manager if Robin isn't there again. So lots of moving parts with the White Sox, including a name change. <laughs> Guaranteed right field. And really no sense of direction at this point. We got to wait to the offseason winter meetings. Hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Do they want to take the Yankees route? I've said this before. Andrew Miller. They were like, nope, we're not trading him. So what do you want for Chapman? Cubs gave up Gleyber Torres and some other prospect, Bill McKinney, for Chapman. Whoa, that's some big that's some big return there for one player, and he's just a rental. And then they're like, okay, we're going to trade Andrew Miller now. And they got even more in return there. Now they have top five, top 50 prospects, or five top 50 prospects in baseball, just from those two moves alone. It's really, it's impressive how the Yankees were able to manage that situation and become certainly relevant, more relevant than they were this year in terms of where they went. They, they moved Beltran as well. So with the White Sox, you say, all right, we're not trading sale, but what do you want for Quintana? You get a nice value for Quintana. It's like, okay, now let's trade sale. And you can get a lot for sale, a lot. And I guess there was a King's Ransom, and they said no to it, but it's a different ball game once you're in the offseason. So we'll just keep an eye on that. It's not out of the question that sale gets traded. Because right now is probably the time to do it. You'll get the most in return. Wouldn't you want a Yon Moncada? Like, he's a mainstay second baseman in this league for 14 years, 15 years. Obviously, they're not proven, but you you talk about guys like Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, they're, he's in that ball ballpark in terms of prospect potential. And they, they pan out. A lot of prospects, you know, don't, but this certain few, especially Moncada, and there's other pieces in Boston that you can kind of mix and match with because if they do decide to go that route, yeah, Ben Attendee. Looks good. Very good. I don't know if they're going to trade him and Moncada. So it's just brainstorming. Who knows? But that that's the ballpark you're going to be in if you decide to make those drastic moves. White Sox got to do that. They got to make they got to make a decision. But if they do decide to trade Quintana and Sale, how are they going to fill that rotation? Is it going to be Fulmer, Rodon, Shields, Renato, Anthony Renato, and I don't know. Maybe like a Jeremy Hellickson? I just, it's tough. It's very hard. I know fans don't want to give up on a a once-in-a-lifetime talent in Chris Sale because he is. Once in a generation. What he's doing on the mound is something, he's just consistently dominating. He's one of the best in the game. So you you can't give him up lightly. So if the White Sox go that route, they better get a lot of uh, prospects in return. Probably going to take a hit in attendance at guaranteed rate field for couple years despite the fact that nobody goes to the games starting in August as soon as August hits after the trade deadline they understand the White Sox are out of the playoff race the fans do and they just don't go anymore I don't even know why I was at a Sox game a few days ago and we got row one in the right center field bleachers for eight dollars eight dollars and there were people sitting in the upper deck but the lower deck is completely empty and a guaranteed rate field you could sit anywhere when it's empty so I don't even know why they keep the upper deck open at this point. They don't have any, they don't they don't have the pull. People don't go to games. People don't go to guaranteed rate field and watch the White Sox. So I don't know. They I, I think they're frustrated. And I would be too. So that eventually I think this is the offseason that they would finally put a stamp in there. Like, all right, 
we got to rethink this. we got to be smart. Now let's start getting ready for the future and not just competing mediocrely for two years straight. So yeah. Overall, all right, guys. Well, okay, that was it. That was it. That was it for Behind the Pen this week. Lots of Bears topics going to be covered in the in the coming shows. In the episode. I'm excited about that, especially when the season starts. I'm going to have stuff for you there. MLB playoff race, I'm going to keep on it because it changes every single day. Standings change every day. So I'm going to be there for you until the end of September. Also, White Sox, guaranteed right field. <laughs> oh, I can't get enough. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at Most Variable Pod. Follow me at Rankin906. Go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Most Variable Podcast. Check out all of our full-length podcasts. We'll have them all there for you. Also, patreon.com backslash Most Variable Podcast. If you become a Patreon, we love you for it. It's able. It's us to do better for you. So look into that. If, we, if you become a Patreon, we very much appreciate it. They'll always value your time, guys. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Mike Rankin from Behind the Pen. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.